1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy. The TDM Podcast. Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your
1: hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TV and fantasy podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you on a Monday. Another backlog of moves to get into the Miami Dolphins, making some trades that could impact your fantasy prospects for next season and a discussion about Chase Edmonds being the lead back in Arizona. A lot to get into here on the show today, but we will start, as I mentioned, with the, that backlog of players, those fantasy relevant signings that we want to get into. And and I guess, Jake, will start with the guy who we talked about on the last edition of the show. And then like 15 minutes after I posted the show, T Y Hilton decides, yeah, I'm going to now resign and go back to Indianapolis where we anticipated him going back where we think made the most sense. And I think from a fantasy standpoint, uh, the comfort level of him being back at a place that he knows probably makes you feel a little bit better about his fantasy value for 2021.
0: Makes me feel better. Sure as hell ought to make Carson Wentz feel better. Uh, you know, having the guy back 10 million one year, I thought I thought it was a pretty fair deal all the way around. I think T.Y. deserves that the way he finished the year, the what he's done for that organization. But it gives them a stable number one that knows everything about the organization, the city, the franchise. Uh, it just made the most sense, right? I mean, this, this was what we hoped was going to happen, it's what we thought was going to happen. And I'm glad that it's done and he's off the market and he's back in Indy.
2: Yeah, I I mean, we talked about him being the this was the best fit for him overall. Uh, I just, the way the need that, that Indianapolis had for that wide receiver one, just still, he still has a little bit of that old T.Y. He doesn't have the complete package anymore as we saw last year, but he started to come on a little bit later in the season and to go somewhere else and be a complimentary piece might've been a good football move, but it might not have been a good fantasy move. This was a case where both things come together in favor of T.Y. Hilton. You know, we're, we're going to get into over the course of early April here, some of my like way too early positional rank, we're gonna, you know, you guys are gonna dive into them. You're gonna ask me questions. You're gonna challenge me. You're gonna say I'm an idiot. All the, I'm a genius. All this other fun stuff. Probably more the former than the latter. But uh, like my initial thought was this kind of puts T. Y. Hilton in that like he's in that like between like wide right receiver forty and fifty for me. I think next year I think he could be sort of that value play there. Somebody you put on your bench in this in the right matchup, or as you feel more comfortable with the Wentz Hilton connection, that we'll start to see again. Do we have what the preseason looks like this year? What training camp looks like this year will dictate how soon we might feel comfortable with any sort of new quarterback or receiver type of connection across the league. But for me, he's still somebody that's going to be fantasy relevant. I kind of have him in this or kind of a similar range where I have like Devonte Parker and like a Marvin Jones or John Brown or Jarvis Landry type of a receivers there, where they're all different types of receivers and they'll fit different teams based on what you're looking for, whether it's upside or high floor, or if you're in a deeper league, but. I kind of think he's somebody that I'm, i mean willing to take a flyer there in that like wide receiver for territory because he still should get a plenty of work with Carson Wentz. And there are still a very limited amount of options for Indianapolis on that team for him to throw to. So I think he could have a decent season. I'm not going to pound the table for him like I did last year as wide receiver two that did not work out. But uh, I still think he's going to be plenty fantasy relevant. And in that conversation for you
1: as a guy, you pick up in the middle part of your bench. I will be saving this clip for the latter parts of the season when he is a wide receiver, too, so we can do the T.Y. dance on the
0: show. Absolutely. We'll T.Y. our our butts off. I'll tell you why I like it, James. It gives Carson Wentz a reason to throw on schedule and on time, whether it's a slant, a curl, a dig, a comeback, a back shoulder. T.Y. Hilton allows him to throw on the schedule the play is supposed to be done. He can break it down to Paris Campbell and Pittman and hold the ball and dump it off and all that kind of stuff. The throws to T.Y., which ought to be six to eight a game, should be on schedule, which to me is why Carson Wentz lacked the last couple of years, and what he needs to do in his progression become a much better quarterback, this gives them that and should allow him to do that in this offense, which I think is the upside of where T.Y.'s fantasy value really lies. If they don't do that, Carson Wentz keeps playing like he has been, which is just backyard street football, then who knows? Then he's probably in that 40, you know 40 to 50 range.
1: I'm extremely excited to discuss the next guy on this list because I, I'm intrigued at both of your guys' uh, reactions to his fit into this offense. Sammy Watkins going to the Baltimore Ravens. They flirted with Juju a little bit, had that contract offer out to him. Jake, I'll start here with you. How do you see Sammy Watkins' role in this, in this Baltimore offense, and is this, the, is this the threat, is this the deep downfield threat that Baltimore needed to add to this offense?
0: Down the field? No, not whatsoever. Sammy Watkins is a big guy. He's always been a physical specimen, but he's never been the player that was drafted, what, fourth overall, whatever it was. Can't stay healthy. He's never been healthy in Kansas City. I don't expect him to play a full season there. He's a possession guy at this point, right? I mean, down the field, no. Can he play across the middle, which they want him to do? Yeah, probably. I'd be a hell of a lot more excited about Juju in this offense than I would be Sammy Watkins, but of the guys that are left that are pretty big-bodied guys that can go across the middle, run the same kind of routes that Juju was going to do. And Juju's much more well-rounded well, well than Sammy Watkins at this point in his career. I'd have been a hell of a lot more excited about this. This doesn't even give me the warm of the warm and fuzzies. Like I, 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 blah. I don't even care. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. By the time we roll around to Week One, that this is a relevant signing. To be completely honest with you.
2: Yeah. I, I... Of places where he could have signed, I thought this was probably the best fit for him because the competition is doesn't exist. Um, you right. know, Marquise Brown is a is a limited option on the outside. Willie sneed has gone. Uh, you know, it's like there's you know, so you're competing with Miles Boykin. Uh, so there's really not a lot of options for him. Nobody throws the ball over the middle of the field more than the Baltimore Ravens do. But as Jake pointed out in our show last week. Sammy Watkins is never going to be in a better situation than where he's been these last couple of years, and he still hasn't been consistently fantasy relevant. Uh, to me, I kind of I'd put him in that wide receiver five territory. Like I don't put he's not in my top fifty. Uh, he'd be somewhere in that other range out there where you have a bunch of guys where you're starting to take flyers on. Talking about like top of the second round, uh, the real life draft rookies. Um, you know the AJ Greens, like some of those players where you're starting to kind of you're hunting for upside uh, or or guys that either have a high floor. I'm intrigued by him. I don't. He's not going. To be a draft priority for me. I feel like he's already going to be somebody that gets overdrafted because they're thinking, oh, new wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson, even though that's not really what's happening here. Uh, so I I'm intrigued by it from a, if I were a Baltimore Ravens fan, because again, you you need an upgrade there. And I I agree with Jake that Juju would have been perfect spot there. And you offered a little bit more money to the Pittsburgh and told you, no, so it is what it is. You have to pivot at that point. But for fantasy, I just, again, I I don't want to fall in the Sammy Watkins trap. Like I'm going to need to see him do it for a consistent period of time and then stay healthy on top of all that before I fully buy back in, because it's so easy to after one big Sammy Watkins performance and literally just one game, wherever, Everybody goes, okay, well, we're back in. And you're always disappointed. Like it just, it, it is what it is. Like, I'm just not going to be the one to make that mistake. If, if Watkins goes out and has an amazing season or even a, you know, a top 35 fantasy season, I'll throw my hands up and say hey, I was wrong, but I'm willing to take the risk that he's not going to do that based on the gestures of his entire career.
0: How do you beat the Ravens? You get ahead of them and you make them throw it to come from behind. Does Sammy yeah. Watkins help them come from behind to win games? I don't think so. I, I don't know. think he adds anything when we're talking about them having to throw to beat you. He's just a possession guy. I don't know that he is better than Boykin. I really don't. Like, it's at this point, if he can stay healthy, he's competing with himself, but he can't stay healthy, and he just doesn't give me any wow factor whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Next up on the list, this, Jake, this will make you get the warm and fuzzies. You've been screaming from the Hilltops for the New York Jets to make a signing in the running back department. They do. So they add Tevin Coleman to their room. Uh, he joins Ty Johnson, LaMichael P there in that group. Uh, I, this is, Fits what they want to do offensively. Their scheme, Tevin Coleman, has experience with it in San Francisco. They're basically going to run a very similar version to that this year uh, with whoever's playing quarterback for them. And I think Tevin Coleman, the familiarity with their offensive scheme is why this signing makes a ton of sense.
0: Another guy that needs to stay healthy, right? I mean, I agree with you. I think he's the perfect guy. The other guys we talked about don't know the scheme. He does. He catches it great. You can split him out. He can play in the slot. He can actually play out wide if you needed to. He has great hands. He's got to stay healthy, but he's a good complimentary piece that knows the offense. He's a, probably not a three down back. I think he's more of a third down specialist kind of guy in this offense. I still think they're going to draft one, but he's a good piece. He's a good insurance policy. He does know the offense and he does multiple things for you. So I like the signing and there could be some fantasy relevance here. If he's, if there's an injury or if this rookie that they draft doesn't come along quickly, I think he fills a bigger piece. Yeah,
2: I, I think what he does is he gives the Jets the flexibility to not box themselves into a running back early. Now, that doesn't mean they won't, and I still think they will. I think they're going to get one of the top three options, whether it's ETN or Harris or, or Williams. But they don't have to if the board kind of falls their way if somebody else falls at a, at a more premium position that they don't expect to be there. I still think corner needs to be in play with that second first round pick of theirs. I, I think that I would prioritize a corner over running back. Chris, you tell me as a Jets fan. No. Yeah. They that they, choice. Yeah. They need a corner JC Horn yeah. or Caleb Farley. If he yeah. falls there or, the, 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 or somebody that, needs to that be over, pick, yeah. over RB one. So it opens up that possibility because there's a good chance that you get there to the second round picks and you maybe I don't have those top three guys. So he knows the offense that they're going to run there. He's coming off of, it was a brutal year for him, just production wise, injury wise. It was, it was just a complete throwaway year but he at least gives them enough options where if they don't spend a, they don't have to spend a day one pick on a running back. But my ranking for him is going to depend on if they do, because the reality is, is I don't think Tevin Coleman's going to keep Najee Harris off the field long or Travis Etienne off the field long or Javante Williams off the field long. So he's somebody that if they go into the year without one of those top rookie running backs, I think is in this like, somewhere around RB 45, 46 type of thing. Um, You know, if they bring in another rookie, probably drops a few spots there. So there's just not a lot of fantasy relevancy here. I think this is more of, it just gives the Jets more flexibility. Now, if a running back gets hurt or they decide they're going to take maybe one on day two or early day three, uh, instead of using a round one or round two pick on one of those guys, I might be a little bit more interested i just don't think i just don't think he's going to make that much of an impact from a fantasy standpoint versus a real life standpoint
1: all right, let's go to this next signing, which is a melding of the worlds for one Jamie Eisner. So, Jamie, I'm going to start here with you. Damian Williams going to the Chicago Bears. I, I'm just going to pass it over to you, let you speak on just everything with the Chicago Bears running back situation. This is your guy. This is who you pound the table for. So, Damian Williams, Chicago Bears, here you go, Mike. Hang
0: guy. on. I have a question before you get started. Okay. Is there a jersey in your future?
2: There might be, if they sell Damian Williams Bears jerseys, there might be. (laughs) You can
0: Uh, customize one, come on. That's
2: true. That's true. Uh, I, I like this a lot, uh, obviously. I mean, I know it's kind of my brand now with Damian Williams, but I think this is going to be a player that is provides that solid depth for them at the running back spot. Tariq Cohen is a more of a gadget player who might actually have to play way more receiver than he's even played before because where else is the ball going to go in that offense, especially if they end up trading Anthony Miller or moving him in, in the in the uh, training camp process now. But to me, he's really good insurance. He knows the offense well. It's that old Kansas City system that he's going to be operating under. I know David Montgomery had just a phenomenal second half of the year because they they rode him a lot. They rode him a lot. But I don't know if that's going to be the case again this year. I still think the idea of David Montgomery as a player is better than the actual player that you're getting on the field on a snap-to-snap basis. I also want to see how often they're going to be able to rely on the running game. Like this offense might not be all that special, especially if this Alan Robinson stuff continues. If there's, I know he's going to sign, he signed the tag, but if there's any issues at leading in the camp, if they try to trade him mid season, if he's not going to sign long-term. So I have some concerns to me. Damian Williams is not somebody you're taking a fantasy aside from a handcuff scenario, but what it does, it really kind of solidifies my ranking of David Montgomery outside of my top 25. Like I think he's, he's a elite RB three. I don't want to take him in RB two territory. I don't want, I, I would prefer not to have David Montgomery in a 12 team league in one of my two starting running back spots. That's basically what I'm saying here. And I was kind of leaning that way anyway. And now I'm solidified in that opinion.
0: Couldn't agree more, but I absolutely love it from a real life football standpoint, we've talked about this bears team could be borderline disastrous and are heading towards not being very relevant or very good. This helps them. If David Montgomery goes down, if they want to play football like they did this year, in November, December, and something happens to David Montgomery, this gives them a hell of an insurance policy that knows the offense. that can do all three things to play three downs. It also gives them the ability to not give Montgomery the ball quite as much if they want to play that style with, it looks like going to a 17 game schedule everybody's going to need multiple running backs. You're going to have games where you miss guys. And if that's the case, and you do have him as a handcuff, and you could play him one week, I think he fills right in. And he may actually be better fantasy-wise some weeks because they might have to dump it off more in his ability to catch the ball. I absolutely love it. This is, to me, the Jets would have been a great move, something like this, but they got a guy that knows their offense. This is perfect for the Bears because this guy knows their system. Should be able to fit right in.
1: Next up here, Leonard Fournette returning to the Bucs. And and Jake, I'll go here with this question for you. I think everybody's going to look at what Leonard Fournette did in the postseason, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, and maybe apply that to fantasy. I think the warning that I would give is there's still another guy in that room that they really like. This is still going to be a two-back system, and both of these guys are going to get work. And I think that's a warning to at least throw out there when you're having this conversation.
0: It's that's at least a warning Ronald Jones ought to be a big flashing red freaking stop sign of a warning. They like Keyshawn Bond. I just said they're going to a 17 game schedule and the point for the bucks is not to be good. It's to win the damn Super Bowl again. So to keep Lombardi Lenny and playoff Lenny fresh for the playoffs and the Lombardi run again, Ronald Jones might even be the starter depending on week to week for first and second down, Keyshawn Bond's going to get more touches. They're going to want to do that. It doesn't mean that they're not going to draft a running back at some point and add another one to depth of that, to that room. Uh, I like it because I think he's still going to play that third-down role that he played all year this year. So in PPR leagues, I'd probably give him a little bit of a bump there, but it's going to be at least a timeshare split. He's not going to. It's not the playoffs, right? You're not making that five-, six-week run that they made with Lenny as the dude, especially when Ronald Jones was hurt for that. People got to remember, Ronald Jones went down. They went into one game with, like, Shady McCoy and Fournette, and that was it. Like, they didn't have a whole lot else, so he had to be the guy. He stepped up. He was great, but, like, man, this is uh, at least a red flag on about four different levels.
2: Yeah, this is not going to be a fun situation for fantasy managers, as we kind of told you guys last week. If you view both these guys, I actually have Jones a couple spots higher than Fournette. Uh, in my rankings as of now, but both of these guys should be viewed as flex fill in bye week options, just on, on a macro scale, just because they're going to split touches. They're going to have certain weeks where, you know, Ronald Jones is going to have a big week. He's going to rip off a couple of big runs and really help your fantasy team. There's going to be times where Leonard Fournette gets leaned on heavily. If they're running more hurry up, more two minute drills, more passing scenarios. So they're both going to have some fancy value. And I think you'll look up at the end of the year at their totals. And they'll both kind of be in that, like, flex ish range, but each week is going to be a little bit tough for you to kind of figure out. Assuming one is not hurt. And then obviously it'll be a little bit easier to figure out who's going to be doing what I'm not going to be enthused to draft either one. Um, As, as he said on several occasions, Bruce Arians does not give a, you know, what about your fantasy team and they're trying to win the super bowl. And that means they're going to split carries. That means they might ride the hot hand. And that means they might use the, almost like the baseball method like they did last year where they, you know, they have Ronald Jones as the starter and then they bring in Leonard Fournette as the closer type of an option so to me i mean right now I ha- i'd have them both in in the 30ish range between 30 and 35 on the running backs they're worth having on your team they're going to be useful for you in certain weeks but if you're going to draft one of them as a potential rb2 if you've waited too long you're probably going to be disappointed because i think their production consistency is going to be all over the place
1: Last guy we want to mention from, the, from a signing standpoint before we get into some of the other topics that we want to discuss here on the show. Washington continues to add to their wide receiver room. Adam Humphreys joining the fold there in D.C. Jamie, your, your thoughts on this move? Washington been extremely active here in free agency, trying to add to that room, trying to give their new quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, some options. I really like this. I think this is a good fit. I think this, he's going to fit well into this offense, but your thoughts? Yeah, this is kind of an
2: under-the-radar signing. Uh, I like this one a lot. He kind of went away from it a little bit last season but prior to last year Ryan Fitzpatrick tended to have a career where he leaned very heavily on slot receivers. So if he kind of goes back to that method now, he's got some guys over the middle of the field with Adam Pontpheus and Logan Thomas that can provide those safety net options for him as he wants to take those other shots, you know, and they get creative with, you know, Terry McLaurin down the field, they get Curtis Samuel more horizontally, whatever they want to do with the combination of Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. So he's got a lot of options there. Now he's going to be a guy, one of those I'll call like a priority free agent. He'll be one of those guys. They would waiver wire speed dial. That was the phrase I used before. He's going to be a guy that's going to be on my little list for waiver wire speed dial. Probably not going to draft him, but I kind of want to see how he interacts with Fitzpatrick does. Is Fitzpatrick going to, to target the slot as much as he did. Because there was a period – there was like a three-year stretch there prior to last year where I believe no quarterback in the NFL targeted slot receivers more than Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was a big reason why I thought prior to his opt-out that a guy like Albert Wilson in Miami last year could have been a decent value. Obviously, he opted out, and then two were played sometimes, and and, and everything kind of changed there. But I'm intrigued by it. I I think he has the potential to be (laughs) – not like the Cole Beasley production, but let's say the more like the Danny Amendola or the the Golden Tate production where guys of like you, you're looking at them every week when there's bye weeks or injuries and you're going, I might get a solid seven or eight points out of this player. He's probably better than the other options out there. That's kind of where I'm looking at Adam Humphreys in this Washington offense.
0: I agree wholeheartedly fantasy wise, football wise. I love it. Ryan Fitzpatrick made Adam Humphreys a buttload of money a few years ago. That was the year that that James was suspended. Fitz Magic started phenomenal, and then they went back to it, went back and forth. What is this offense going to look like? His defense is so good, you don't really want to sling it all over the place. But they're kind of building it to be able to like put some points up and really shut you down. And his team's kind of coming together. I tell you what else it does is it teaches a guy like Stephen Sims Jr., who has spectacular run right after the catch, how to play in the slot. It gives him like, this is how you do this. And he's probably better than Adam Humphreys, and they probably want him to have that role. And Curtis Samuel is going to be in the slot some, but it teaches him how to do it. In the meantime, it gives Ryan Fitzmagic, the ultimate freaking third down conversion guy. I love it. I absolutely love it. I like it from a fantasy point of view. Like I said, I agree. But football-wise, this was an awesome piece that went under the radar.
1: Washington, very much one of the big winners here of the offseason and what they have done to to put their team in contention. Ron Rivera, man. Yeah, they've done really well. Ron Rivera knows
0: how to build a team that he can take on a field and win.
1: And by the way, there was a lot of criticism of them for, I guess, winning and making the playoffs because it ruined their ability to make a, a, you know, a good draft pick to be picking high in the draft. And that's what we're going to get to here in a second. But they've also fielded a team that I think is the favorite in the NFC East with the way that the team is constructed right now. So I think Ron Rivera is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of the NFL draft, Friday was a pretty busy day. It was just a random Friday. It was just BYU's pro day. It wasn't supposed to be anything, that was, anything big that was going to happen. And in the middle of all of that... We have three teams moving spots in the NFL draft, and and I want to have this conversation and kind of focus it on the fantasy angle of it. San Francisco, they're moving up to three. All indications are they're going to take a quarterback there at three. Miami uh, moves from three to twelve, and then moves moves from twelve to six. That screams to me they're going to take one of the pass catching options at six. Which one? Every one of those guys is available: Pitts, Waddle, Chase, uh, whoever's there. They're going to take one of those guys. And then we have Philadelphia moving back to twelve. Who knows what they're going to be able to do. Jamie, I'll start here with you. Miami has done really well here, I think, and have put themselves in a position to take a pass catcher that they probably were going to take at three. They can now just take that person at six.
2: Yeah, there's kind of three prongs here for this trade, but I'll start with the Miami one, as you mentioned. they If you're not going to take a quarterback at three, the idea was always trade back. Because you're going to get the player most likely that you want because we're, we're really running up to a spot where we're one trade away from four quarterbacks going in the top five. So at that point, you're really only losing out on one of those options for you. So go back, you acquire a first round pick later. Uh, you're able to end up make, making all these other moves to move back up. But to me, this this screams that they have their eye on one or two guys in particular. And whether it's going to be, it's the combination, probably Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, uh, Devonta Smith, or Kyle Pitts. Like they, but they have two of those guys probably, maybe a one gold star next to them, which is why they're like, you know what, we need to get up back up to six here. Uh, I, I think this... This offense has the potential to be really, really interesting. The, the, the issue that I continue to have is what tour are we going to get? how much of a progression can we expect with a full off season with these increased weapons? What is a fair projection? I don't know. If you add Jamar Chase to this offense, it's going to be, you know, you have Chase and you've got Will Fuller, you've got Devontae Parker, you've got Mike Gisecki, you've got, you know, Gaskin out of the backfield. You've got some really, really intriguing options. Maybe you're going to spend another one of those picks on on Harris or ETN as well. You've got a lot of weapons there, but do you have a quarterback that can get them the ball consistently? That I don't know. So from a fantasy perspective, I think the receiver that's going to get drafted by Miami at six or the pass catcher, I should say, is probably going to get overdrafted in fantasy because I think people are going to really fall in love with it. And now it's going to be a crowded pass catching room with some quarterback questions, which might cause me to shy away from paying the full draft price for one of those guys. So that's where I stand on Miami for the Eagles. The biggest fantasy value thing there is that they're going to roll with Jalen Hurts, at least for this year. And I know you and I, Chris, we're going to have this conversation when we do our quarterback show because I know you and I do not see eye to eye on Jalen Hurts' fantasy value, but I think Jalen Hurts is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year uh, his running ability uh again we're talking just the, the floor that that rushing ability gives you puts you in a different category and whether it's we're not talking real life quarterbacks nobody on earth would put Jalen Hurts in the top 10 in real life quarterbacks but for fantasy I think that solidifies him that they're because if they were going to take quarterback they ain't moving back to 12 right they, they sit there at six and they, they take whatever's left there so it's going to give Jalen Hurts a good opportunity to run there I like that for Miles Sanders as well Sanders really started to have a lot more success late in the season with Jalen Hurts because there's another option there's another piece of eye candy in the backfield for defenses to kind of watch out for um and then from san francisco's point of view it's interesting uh because to me it's are they committed to jimmy garoppolo for a few games are they committed to him for half a season are they committed to him for one season are they committed to him for being the backup right away or whatever quarterback they end up taking there. So I've kind of talked myself into them taking Trey Lance at that spot. Um, and if they do, I'm not sure that's the guy you want starting week one, but they would do sure about long-term is whole totally different, but that's probably not the guy you want to start week one. So you're going to probably have Jimmy Garoppolo start the season there. Uh, but it, it, becomes really interesting because we've become accustomed to the workload George Kittle and Debo Samuel for example have gotten with Garoppolo as the main or Garoppolo, Mullins, Beathard that kind of option. Does that change at all with another quarterback in there? Does that change with a rookie? Do they, do they lean more towards somebody else? Do they lean more to a different receiver? Uh, because I'm of the mind that Brandon Ayuk is going to be an incredible value in fantasy drafts. He's their wide receiver one. He can do more things I think than Debo Samuel can do as much as I love Debo Samuel. Uh, Kittle's obviously an all-world player, but things change a little bit if you're going to go with not only just a rookie quarterback, but if it's Trey Lance, a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of experience just period, end of story. So what is the learning curve going to be like for him? I can't imagine for a team with Super Bowl aspirations that they're going to they're going to throw a, a rookie like Trey Lanson right away. So maybe it's going to be like business as usual because it's just assumed Garoppolo is going to play there and he's inevitably going to get hurt or get benched midseason. But uh, to me, the biggest takeaway from all of this is, I think the wide receiver, the Dolphins draft gets overdrafted in fantasy. Jalen Hurts is a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And I'm very intrigued to see how I'm not going to touch the 49ers pass catchers ranking right now, but they have the chance to move depending on what the quarterback situation ends up being.
0: The 49ers either got bent, like got bent in this draft if they end up with Justin Fields or Trey Lance. They did it to get Zach Wilson, period, end of story. You're assuming that you got the truth from Robert Salah that you know what's going on and that you're in the same mindset that I am that they're not going to take quarterback at two. If that's the case and you get Zach Wilson, then bring everything Jamie just said back in about the pass catcher's in San Francisco. It might not start week one. But Jimmy Garoppolo twist that ankle again? And I got air quotes going on here, people that can't see yeah. us or just listen. And the young kid slinging it. He, Aaron Rodgers-esque throwing on the move. I, I, to me, there is a big drop-off from Zach Wilson to everybody else quarterback-wise in this draft. I think he's pushing Trevor Lawrence to be the 1A, and the rest of these guys look more like C, that are going to get way overdrafted. The Dolphins continue to do unbelievable things. This was brilliant. You picked up a ton, you didn't give up near as much of a ton to get back up to sit in a very pretty situation. And the Niners either got bent, and I mean, like, follow that by over, or they end up getting the guy that they wanted. If they end up with Zach Wilson, I think it's worth it, but they gave up a ton to do it.
1: I would be shocked if Zach Wilson is available at number three when the – San Francisco 49ers are on the clock. Uh, I, I think the New York Jets are going to be taking Zach Wilson at number two. But but yeah, Miami continues to wheel and deal, Jamie. They've done a really nice job here. The pick that they gave up to move back up was just a pick that was their pick. So they got a pick from San yeah. Francisco and then they moved their pick in 2022 to move up, basically betting on themselves, betting on that's not going to be a very highly valued pick. That's going to be 20 plus and, and you can have have that pick we're not really worried about it so yeah I think this is a home run we can have our little debate and conversation about Jalen Hurts on the Wednesday edition of the show because we are going to get into those quarterback rate ratings uh, a little bit later in the week because we do have a very big disagreement there about Jalen Hurts' fantasy value but let's close the show talking about this uh, Jamie this has been a conversation in the back channels of the TDN fantasy slack we've talked about this a lot off air and we will now have the conversation on air because it certainly feels Jamie that Chase Edmonds is going to be the lead back in Arizona, he is going to be RB1. Can he be that? And then I want to have a separate conversation on his fantasy value if the answer to that question is yes. So I pose that question to you to start our conversation. I I don't
2: know if he can be. Um, And I don't want to discount him because he's somebody that, and I've mentioned this on the show before, but I really put stock into the fact that he's had three different coaching staffs look at him at different points and have all been very impressed by him. Different philosophies, different uh, offensive systems, completely different age range, uh, background range. So he is somebody that has consistently been high on radars for coaching staffs for the Arizona Cardinals since he came into the league, which is something you have to take note of. Is he somebody that I want to give 25 touches a game? No but what is a lead back anymore and i think that that's going to be the philosophical question that we that we discuss because is he going to be a Derrick henry dalvin cook type of a player no uh and in terms of just workload no he's not going to be that player but can he be a guy that's on the field quite often get himself you know 17 18 19 20 touches a game here and there and is you know half of those or maybe 40% of those are through the air and I, maybe he could be that I still think they're going to take a running back. The question is going to be how high, because if it's not Najee Harris, if it's not Travis Etienne, if it's not Javante Williams, well, they
1: better not take a running back at 16. So I don't know if any of those guys are going to be around when they pick at 49.
2: Agreed, but would, I can't rule it out. I can't rule out that, 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 that could be a possibility that they take them at 16. I wouldn't, but I, I can't rule out that possibility. Right. So, To me, I still think if they bring in somebody that's not one of those big three, then Edmonds' chance to have the lion's share of the work in the Cardinals' backfield is exponentially increased. I think he's going to be that option. If they do bring in one of those big three running backs, and I think he's going to have a significant role like he's had last year, but it's going to be a little bit more subdued than what it would be if they're bringing in one of these Tier 2 or Tier 3 or Tier 4 type of draft running backs. Right now, without them having anybody, because the month of March is going to come to end and he's the starting running back on the roster. So I have to at least consider that where he is. I have him right now at RB 24. That, that's where I put on That's a little sneak peek for what we're going to do in our show later this month. Right now I have him at RB 24, kind of waiting to see what happens with the draft. Um, you know, if the draft comes and goes and he's the guy, he's going to go up from that. But I'm kind of having to play this this middle ground here. I'm intrigued by him. I'm intrigued by his skill set. I, I think he could be somebody that has a pretty strong fantasy season. But I also don't think he's going to be the guy they're going to put an entire team's running back workload on. And I don't know if they don't have anybody else on the roster right now that to even take on the secondary workload. So somebody else is coming into this team, whether it's for the draft, whether it's through a, a late free agency ad. Somebody's coming in because I don't think it's Eno Benjamin. Like, I mean, Benjamin can get work, but he's not coming in to get a dozen plus touches a game right away right now for a team that is acting like they are a contender right now like oh, that is the way they've mode. acted. they're, this they're in wind now mode Yep. so whether they should be or not it's a different story but that's what they that's what they're acting like i think somebody else is coming in it just depends on the caliber of the running back whether or not edmunds is going to be the guy that's going to get like a 65 35 split or if it's going to be more of a true 50 50
1: and Jake, I'll ask the question to you this way. Kenyon Drake last year for the Arizona Cardinals had 239 touches as the lead back. Chase Edmonds in his entire career in three seasons has 217 total carries. So the the way that this offense has been constructed in Arizona, Chase Edmonds would be asked to do more in this season than he has had in his entire NFL career. Do you think he can be that for this team? I
0: will preface it by saying I got this dead wrong. When I give you this analogy, Austin Eckler filling in for Melvin Gordon when he was the guy in a small sa- sample size couldn't do it, and then he became the dude. And I was dead wrong fantasy value wise. I had him down lower than Jamie last year. I loved the, art, the PPR, but it was just I didn't see it when he had the chance. Now Chase Edmonds has done that opposite in small sample sizes. Can he do it for an entire season? I don't know. I don't know that he can hold up. He fits what they want to do. He's a home run hitter. He picks up the blitz really well. He kind of does a little bit of everything, but they got to have another piece, right? But now there's no free agents. Are they going to trade for one? One of the running back heavy rooms? I, I don't know who that would be, uh, but there has to be a complementary piece. And to me, it can't really be a running back that's going to split time. I agree with Jamie. If, it, if he's the guy, that's going to be 65, 70% of him, which I can see them wanting to do. Now we've gone back and talked about multiple coaching stacks, how much they love this kid. It's kind of a make or break. He can make himself a star and make himself a bunch of money too if he plays seventy percent of the snaps. I love the I love the talent. I think it's there. We just haven't seen it yet. Can he step up and take that load? They got to have a complimentary piece, in my opinion. But I really go back to that Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. When when it, I go back to that London game, James, we were expecting his yep. monster game from Austin Eckler, he did nothing. It was awful, and the offense didn't do the same. It just it, we've seen Chase Edmonds on the flip side do that in short spurts. Can that offense look the same if he's the guy for the season? That's a big question mark for the Cardinals, man. If you're a Cardinals fan, can you be sitting here saying, I like the talent, but if this is our 70% running back, this is our RB1, are we confident that this offense runs the same? I don't know that you can feel
2: that way. I don't think they have any depth, too, Jimmy, Chris. Like, I mean, that's the
0: – None. And we just talked about 17 right. games. Like, it's yeah, going there. I, you've got to have – to me, you got to have three.
1: Yeah, this. And I think and I think the point is we have that we we have a short sample size here with Chase. And, And it's not to say that we don't believe in what we've seen in that short sample size, but to go from that short sample size to this massive leap forward to what they would ask him again, Kenyon Drake got 239 carries in this offense last year with Chase Edmonds on the team. I assume that Chase would get somewhere around that if he fills in that role. That's a massive jump in, 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 in production that you're asking Chase to fill right away. I don't feel comfortable from a fantasy standpoint putting all my chips in the middle on Chase Edmonds right now this year. I got to see it you You're first. talking about
0: 17 games. You're talking 300-plus carries. If you're talking about what they have right now, even if they had a rookie, guys, they had one – say they go crazy and they go Travis Etienne early, Right? with he's still getting 200 plus touches the fantasy value goes way down if they do that and they take atm but like where is this if he's the 70 percent guy rb1 you're talking about 300 touches have i seen enough to say that that makes me really comfortable with him doing that no i have not
2: no and i think that would be man i mean that, that that's the big concern for me uh of trying to figure out like where he could be and i'm trying to look right now live on like some of the remaining free agent options and it's not great. (laughs) I mean, like there's really, like, I mean, it depends on how much money you want to spend. Like, I I think if you bring in, like uh, Wayne Goldman could be interesting uh you know as somebody that you come come and bring on a player like that if you're gonna go a little bit more cheaper uh you know a rex burkhead maybe i know he's more of a receiving back as well but he can run between the tackles he can be that almost like a, a different style of change of pace uh you know for them but he they adds don't have depth though james you're talking about yeah. like
0: they need guys like that they don't even have that yeah they don't you know benjamin was a practice squad player for a long
2: time yeah they, they need help solid
0: there. solid player we all like coming out arizona state can we know him well but that's not the next guy. Chase Edmonds is getting 300 touches. Who's getting 100?
2: Yeah, because it's like it's not Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, DJ Foster. I mean, like they don't these they don't have pieces. Like they don't those aren't guys that you can rely on if something happens. It's just I
0: don't and know. if you're a Cardinals fan, how do you feel it if they go crazy and go running back early?
2: Well, Chris no, like that me. is Chris a bad has idea. He's been pounding the table against going running back at sixteen.
1: You have too many other holes after Malcolm Butler, after Malcolm Butler, name me somebody you trust in that Malcolm cornerback Malcolm Butler is a massive
0: downgrade for Patrick Peterson, by the way. Massive. So, yes, you still have we, holes everywhere because Robert Alford has been a skeleton for two years for you after that signing of getting hurt and missing all this time. You can't count on that piece. Yes, you have massive holes. I'm just saying, if they went that way, oh, be how brutal. would you
2: feel? It, it, I would rule it brutal. out. Look at the way this team is operating. I operated. wouldn't rule it out
0: either. I was going to say, this is not like they've been the model of consistency or like you know what's going to happen there.
2: I wouldn't rule it out. This team is running for, they want to be flashy, put up points, and, and make waves. Whether it's waves that they think are actually going to actually help them win or not, it's a different story. But well, What does the word wave start with? W. That's eh, not what we're looking at.
1: Nope. Wow. Put that on a t-shirt, please. Hang Put that on a t-shirt that we can sell over to the draftnetwork.com because I, I, I need a shirt like that. But yeah, I, I think the big question here is going to be we've seen in flashes what Chase Edmonds can be, but there is going to be a massive leap in what is being asked of him that I just think it's unreasonable to expect him to all of a sudden jump into this top-tier fantasy option as a running back. Do I think you should have him on your short list of guys for that RB2, RB3 spot? Yeah, Jamie, what did you say? You have him as RB24 yeah, right now? 24. right now, Right. I think he I think he fits perfectly into that RB2 RB3 scenario, but to to expect just this massive leap forward, I think I'm a wait and see guy when it comes to things like this and he's he has 217 career carries. 217. If he gets just Kenyon Drake's workload from a year ago, he will have more in just this upcoming season than he's had in his entire career. I think to expect that everything's going to be just totally perfect and everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to with just Chase Edmonds replacing Kenyon Drake. I think that's fool's gold. I I, I just do not think that is going to work out that way. Uh, final thoughts here on the program, Jake, before we, uh, before we wrap up and get out of here.
0: Uh, if you need context on my Malcolm Butler is a, Drop major drop from Patrick Peterson. Look at what the Tennessee Titans need, and that's corners. Why would they let him walk for a cheap price? Uh, they obviously didn't like what they got for the last couple years. Final thoughts is man, this Arizona Cardinal thing is kind of tripping me out now because that is one really, really thin running back room. As much as I do like Chase Edmonds, I'm gonna say that again, I like him a lot. It's a big question mark going in to me. It sounds like a team that's about to make some moves or about to make some splash, and I'm not sure that helps them that much.
2: Yeah, my final thoughts are that uh, as crazy as Friday was, I was very thankful that we got a little bit of a shakeup. It's been a strange draft season, just because you did—you know—there was not a lot of presence at the Senior Bowl, no scouting combine, uh, all the pro day stuffs virtual, all the team meetings are virtual, all the other stuff. There's been a little bit of a lull in draft season because we haven't had some of these tentpole events to build around. Jamie, how nice know, was it to look at your phone and go, "Whoa!" I like, know.
0: We all did it out loud, and then an hour later, go. Whoa, it happened again.
2: This Two awesome. trades in the top ten a yes. month out. That, that like was I just I don't awesome. I don't remember ever seeing that this far out. So I, I was thrilled to see it, it kind of was reinvigorated. Uh, the life of draft season. We now have some new mocks, new scenarios to play out in our head, got to change things up a little bit, which makes me incredibly excited. So, and we have, obviously we've had covered that in a myriad of ways on the draftnetwork.com for Niners mock drafts, new mock drafts and dolphins, new mock drafts and overall first round new mock draft, what the trade means. I wrote about the quarterbacks, the Niners. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what they end up doing here. So uh, I'm excited to see that. Uh, Hopefully you guys have been as reinvigorated and kind of that, you know, shock the arm that we all kind of needed not the the vaccine one but this one uh, as i said you've i say that because i came on the show twice. I came on the show, Chris, and I said, man, it was nice to get a shot in the arm like right after this trade happened. He's like, oh, you got the vaccine. I was like, no, Chris, I'm, metaphorically, for the, the trades, it just happened.
1: <laughs> you can't do that. It's 2021. I, know. I mean, everybody's trying to get vaccinated yeah. right now. What so you We, we, what we have, you have mean, to retire a
2: shot in the arm and avoid it like the plague. We now can't use those cliches anymore. Either of those, anymore, not allowed. Apparently. So, uh, but no, I'm really excited for this. This has gotten me really excited. This is going to be a really, really fun run now. We're now exactly one month away from night one of the draft. Cannot wait for it to get here. Cannot wait for all the fantasy implications in us being able to talk about specific now, not these generalized, not what we hope a specific rookie to team fits for fantasy for the NFL. Uh, so I'm really excited for it. We're only a month away. I
0: don't think we're done either. Cause of the Atlanta Falcons, no. I am like the jets. I don't see them taking quarterback and they are in prime position for somebody to come up and give them a freaking King's ransom to jump up to four to take who's ever next on the quarterback carousel to get into that position that's going to give us more fireworks and that's going to be awesome man
1: i can't wait just a month away just a month away until all the festivities begin jake where can everybody follow you on social media jake b arians on twitter and arians nfl on instagram jamie i ask you the same question uh you can follow me at jamie eisner on
2: twitter and at jamie eisner tdn on instagram
1: you can follow me on Twitter at SHU Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. And as always, all the content over at thedraftnetwork.com. Wednesday show, breaking down Jamie's quarterback rankings as of the beginning or end beginning of the month. So the end of March, beginning of April, Jamie's got his quarterback rankings. We are going to dissect. We are going to poke, prod, ask a ton of questions of Jamie. There will be some disagreements. There will be some arguments. That is what you can expect on Wednesday. We will talk to you.